Hello, welcome to Forefront 360, a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. My name is Cody Schweiker, and uh, I'm hosting this Overdue Arts Review episode today. Um, it's been a while, and uh, I've got almost the entire Forefront family here with me. Some are virtual and remote, some are in person, and uh, we've got, we're like radio bandits up in here. We've got our face masks on, some of us, and uh, hopefully sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I think I sound good. I think you sound great. I think you sound great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So, yeah, we've got uh, Nate Mancini here. Hello. Hello. And uh, Sean O'Hare over there on the uh, the computer screen. Hello, Sean. Hey, guys. And Zach Ozinski is below him down there on the computer screen. Zach, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Are you uh, you were tending some chickens this morning? How'd that go? I am tending to chickens. They're doing great. I am tending to compost worms and oh, wow. a Maltese named Rico. So that is I'm just that's so cool, man. You're like a little Wendell Berry over there. Oh yeah, <laughs> very cool guy, Zach. If you don't know him, he's very cool. Real uh, man of the land, salt Real, of the earth. That's right, salt <laughs> of the earth. Just wonderful guy. Um, and we have. Uh, our inaugural episode with Abby Sitterly, who... Hey there. Yeah, Abby's here for her first episode of Forefront 360. Uh, that was... We did an episode... You guys recorded an episode on movies mm-hmm. a while ago. That was for Forefront 360, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah so... Yep. Kind of a crossover with Sacred Obscura, yeah. Right. It was a huge deal. Um, we're still getting buzz about that um, yeah. months later. But, uh, Abby, this is your first arts review yeah. with, the, with the mics in Forefront headquarters and... Uh, we're, you've been on the team for a while. Mm-hmm. You're um, helping edit the blog. And uh, Abby is uh, brilliant and is an incredible writer and reader. She's into music. Um, at, the, at the local hangups, check them out, right? So We dropped the the for social media, so it's just at local hangups. Oh, but yeah. oh nice. At lo- that's so much better. Excellent. Yeah, so we're sincerely pumped to have you on the team yeah, and to thanks. have you um on the show today so yeah we're doing an arts review episode um rich might pop in here in in a little bit i hope so i hope so he might show up and uh if so then we'll include him in the lineup but uh that's who's here today and uh yeah abby you want to you want to share first what you've been enjoying Sure. Um, so I'm a huge fan of uh, this band called Turtle Doves, and they're a Christian band. I'm pretty sure they're out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, they are uh, Alex and Ashley McGrath. And uh, if anybody's familiar with the band The Soil and the Sun, they were um, a pretty huge kind of like esoteric, spiritual folk um, band that dropped a couple albums back in the mid 2010s. So I can't believe in 2020 we're saying the mid 2010s now. Maybe I just am. I don't know. Um, Back in the day. Yeah. But I've been a big fan of Soil in the Sun since like 2011, 2012 way back then. And uh, so that band has disbanded, but uh, they're still continuing with Turtle Doves. So they just dropped uh, their first, I think, I'm not sure if it's an EP or like it's considered an LP now. There's about six songs uh, called Pillars of the Earth. And uh, the one track that really just kind of like blows my mind is the track Pillars, which is um, kind of a contemplative, rhythmic, sort of uh, subversive soundscape. Um, But it essentially talks about um, the presence of God being, at least this is my interpretation, being pretty much anywhere we are. So um, like they say, you are the movement, you are the wind. 
in your in the room that I'm in. And uh, I think we forget pretty often that, uh, like St. Augustine says, you know, in him we move and have our being. Mm. So if we take that literally on some level, which I think we can as God is the creator, uh, that really changes the way that we orient ourselves in spaces, um, especially in interaction. Like he's the most important one in every single room. So yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. I don't know. <laughs> Very cool. That's yeah. beautiful. Abby, do you feel like you're more connected to music or writing? Because it seems like like a, you're really you're really committed to both. Or writing, music. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it but all you, swirls together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say which one stands out to me more. I I feel like they're two halves of my spirit, and mm-hmm. um, there's certain ways that you can communicate through music that you just can't communicate through writing, and so um, that's the wonderful thing about having instrumentals as well as music accompanying lyrics and vice versa um, is that you can sort of blend those two uh, methods of communication together, but then at the same time still receive some sort of message outside of that mix. So, mm. so Very both, cool. I guess, which yeah. might evade your question. But. Well, no, that's why I asked. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. Like some of us have like peripheral interests, but kind of have one thing, but Abby's multi-talented. You know, don't don't put her in a box, okay? Yeah. I'm sorry. She's bigger than your box. She's bigger than your box, okay? Um, awesome. <laughs> and what's the what's the band one more time? Turtle Doves. Turtle Doves. And their new album is Pillars of the Earth. Amazing. Sweet. Very cool. Uh, Sean O'Hara, what beautiful, obscure text are you digging into these days? <laughs> I I have been doing, I kind of been diving in to a few different ones. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually really excited because... Uh, coming up here pretty soon, I'm going to be going back to school, kind of doing a big pivot here and, and uh, well, kind of a big pivot. I mean, I've always loved reading and literature and stuff, but now I'm actually going to study it for real. So where are you, um, where are you going, Sean? I'm going to head overseas. I'm actually, it's crazy enough. I'm going to got to go to Cambridge this, this oh, fall. So never heard of it. Is that like a, is that like a little community college over there? Small, or like city college? Yeah. Or? It's kind of like where they send, uh, they just kind of send you over there. You kind of like. Oh, that sounds cute, man. That sounds just really kind cute. of put yeah. stick you in a corner and you read some books and stuff. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. yeah like, so, if you can't get into Oxford, I mean, yeah, that'd exactly. be somewhere you could consider. Exactly. Yeah. Well, oh, sir, Oxford. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I'm I've just got my reading list for school actually. So that's that's what I've been diving into and some pretty interesting old texts and stuff. But I wanted to talk primarily about there's there's one that. Uh, actually deals with all of them and or most of them and offered some interesting uh, like a interesting backdrop for like worldview and uh, perspective about uh, spiritual things and the physical realm I guess which is from our own homeboy C.S. Lewis who actually was a lecturer at uh, Oxford and then Cambridge uh, at the end of his career and this this book that I've read before I dove into a lot of the books that I'm reading right now is called the discarded image. Um, and it was great because it was like on my shelf for a while, I had gotten it for another, uh, course that I took, but I never was able to get around to that reading. It was kind of like an extra one. And so I'd always wanted to read it. And then I saw it on this list that I had to read for, for getting ready for school. And so it was a great opportunity to kind of dive back into that. But basically Lewis talks, uh, he, he gives some ideas of like what the medieval, person viewed the world as um like the the actual physical arrangement of the world and some of the concepts that populated the imagination of somebody who might write down literature during that time Mm -hmm. um so 
So it's just really fascinating. And, you know, like I obviously I'm going to say this here. This is a hot take here. I am the biggest Narnia fan, right? Like I, I, yes. I read those books dozens of times. But as I was reading through this book, I became it, – it was – it struck me that it was crazy that he's famous for writing those books and not for his incredibly expansive literary mind. I mean the man would drop like five or six. He would like – he would mention Chaucer and Milton and uh, Virgil and then like five obscure English poets in like one sentence to make a single point. Yeah. You know, it was just obvious that the breadth of his reading was absolutely ridiculous. And I was like, how do we know him for writing children's books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was an incredible book and it gave me a great perspective of like what the medieval mind saw. For example, when they looked up at the stars, mm-hmm. um, the, like the sort of physical construction of the universe and the different uh, levels of the cosmos, things like that, that you never really think about, you uh, you kind of take for granted, but he just like really enters you into the medieval mind. So it's a shorter book and it's really cool because these, this book is essentially a distillation of his, his lectures at Oxford and then at Cambridge. And so like, if you're curious about what a student at that time would be reading during that time, um, this is a great book to kind of give you like, just kind of peek into that. So uh, I've been reading some other cool stuff, but that was that was the main one that I thought would be interesting to you guys and to and to you know anybody who's listening to the podcast. So nice, dude. Don't get me going. Were there were there any books on the reading list they sent you that you're like, oh, I already read that? Actually, okay, all right. You're <laughs> yes. such a nerd. You're yes, such a nerd. And I literally and I literally just read it like two weeks before oh. he sent it to me. But it's for a oh. pop culture reason. I'll. I'll I gotta redeem myself here. Uh, A24, I think, is the studio that makes some like cool movies and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're coming out with a movie about it's like a retelling of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's with Dev Patel and there's some other like, famous actors that are in it, and it looks dark and like mysterious and like kind of creepy and and I was like, this looks so interesting, and because I saw a trailer for it somewhere, and so then I was like, well, if I'm gonna go watch the movie, I should like also read the text and kind of have some context for what, what's read going the source on. Material. Film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I read that. And then when I finished it, it was kind of like two weeks or so beforehand. And then I got the list. I was like, Oh, I already read this. You know, I already knocked something Perfect. out. So. Wow. Sweet man. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. What translation I'm, is that? <laughs> the translation that I read was W a Nielsen, I think, but actually Tolkien has the translation of mm-hmm. uh, the green Knight yeah. as well. And that yeah. was one that was on a list, but. My professors were chill about it. They're like, just, just read, just read what you you can, and then we'll. Because I'm going to kind of be like returning to these texts as I focus on each one throughout the term. So as long as I get a concept of what what they are, then it'll be good enough, kind of thing. So, yeah, like if you were yeah. going to Oxford, they would definitely make you read the Tolkien translation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at Cambridge, they're a little flexible, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a thing yep. to note too, because like Lewis being famous for. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. Tolkien is an incredible linguist and translator of some pretty ancient, uh, I think, Finnish and Norse texts of mythology. So yeah. that's a really yeah. interesting uh, <laughs> accomplishment that nobody really talks about. They sure. talk about Frodo, yeah. who's great too, uh, but... <laughs> Frodo looms large in this culture. <laughs> he does. Yeah, even though well, he's short. Well, yeah, for example, Abby, um, 
Tolkien gave some famous lectures on Beowulf. Mm-hmm. Yep. He had a translation of that, and he was an expert right. on that text. So that's a good example. It's just like a lot of these these writers that we are familiar with from that era or whatever, um, we sort of know them for popular works that they had, but they're – really was so much underneath the surface tip of the terms iceberg, of their yeah. scholarship so Very cool. don't get me going i know i gotta <laughs> i gotta stop you man i gotta res- gotta restrain you over there you're standing up all of a sudden you guys can't see this but sean is all just randomly stood up and he's shouting, sean, don't throw that chair don't put throw, it down put exactly. the chair down he's standing at a podium Gosh, <laughs> shouting loves literature this guy zach what have you been enjoying my man hey so abby your comment actually kind of segues nicely into what I'm going to talk about, about how, about God's presence being in every place, in every moment with us. So the, there's an album that I've been kind of living with for the past month by a guy named Jonathan Ogden, who is probably, probably most significantly known from the indie Christian band Rivers and Robots. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also have an organization that is, fairly similar to Forefront based in the UK uh, called We Are Set Sail, which is another organization from what I can tell committed to fostering community amongst artists of faith and encouraging them to do, to do excellent work. And uh, so Jonathan Ogden's one of the guys that heads up this organization. And I first found out about him through a series of uh, LPs that he put out for every season of the year. And what I was really struck by about each of them is how he he tends to operate, at least these days, in like a lo-fi kind of hip-hop context, mm. um, which I was not expecting from like essentially, I wouldn't call it worship music, but his music is very imbued with the Christian faith. Um, and so he has an album that I've been listening to lately called 24, which uh, is essentially a a beat tape where he makes a track for every hour of the day, um, starting at 7 a.m. and ending at 6 a.m. And what I've been loving about this album is um, it really... So for one, it's really a rich piece of music. I mean, his his orchestration of each track and his transitions in between the hours to each other is remarkable. Um, and it really does an incredible job of illustrating how each kind of moment of, of any given day has its own kind of... Uh, a kind of a life of its own in a way its own and but he illustrates that by using different instrumentations and different colors and different electronic sounds and even different musical stylings so you'll get lo-fi hip-hop but you'll also get uh, maybe some folk music or you'll get uh, EDM you'll get EDM kind of like after six o'clock between like six o'clock and midnight he goes to a more like EDM musical style <laughs> but Lyrically, it's a lot of uh, just his kind of reflections of what he thinks through the day of the work he's doing and just kind of what it means to be alive and <laughs> be awake. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 
his writing is laced with with his own reflections. It's also laced with scripture. He has a, like a, I think eight o'clock or something is based on uh, Psalm one thirty nine. Where could I go from your presence? Um, but it's a super like jazzed up EDM track. Um, so I've really been loving that. So I definitely recommend checking out Jonathan Ogden's 24 beat tape. Yeah. I listen to that tape all the time. I have the actual tape. If you guys are the uh, tape. Yeah. So if you guys <laughs> are uh, followers of forefront on Instagram, I have posted the tape a few times on the account. Um, I listen. I, sold my car that had a tape deck in it so i've since uh, ordered a tape deck on amazon simply to listen to 24 on tape by so, the way by the way listeners nice. rich is here rich chrisman just uh turned up rich is in the house it's true my voice is not manifesting from an ethereal plane i'm here <laughs> but, in the flesh yeah incarnational mm-hmm. um yeah i uh i'm so glad to hear you talking about this zach because i just love uh this album and i love jonathan ogden's stuff in general and uh, the only thing I just would love to put on top of all the excellent things you said is um, it's really cool. One of my favorite things about the album is the fact that um, for me, it's really acted as a constant reminder of like what um, a day in the life of a Christian should include. Um, because I listen to it often as background music while I'm doing other things because it's so relaxing. And um the tracks where he uses scripture and tracks like um, the one I think I could be wrong. I think it's 10 o'clock. It's called, I need you. You know, so like that, like just the idea that like if we're living the Christian life, you listen to 24, it's all these hours in the day, multiple times. Like there are many tracks that have no lyrics, but multiple times throughout the day, um, Jonathan thinks about God. He realizes how much he needs him. He, thanks God for blessings that he has. He thinks about scripture. He meditates, like you said, he meditates on the fact that there's nowhere we can go where God is not, you know, things like that. And I just think that, uh, I was actually talking to Nate recently about how, uh, multiple, um, Christian singer songwriters I've been listening to have been really like convicting me of, you know, am I living the life that a Christian should live on a regular day when no one's watching? You know what I mean? And, uh, that, this particular album is one that put that thought into my head. So he's doing good over there. Zach, when is he coming on the podcast? <laughs> I will get back to you. <laughs> All right. You always make it happen, man. Well, Sean, he lives in the UK, so it's kind of on you at this point. Ooh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Well, there we have it. Um, that's a little preview of what's to come. Between Zach and Sean, I'm sure they'll make it happen. Rich, do you have something else? Yeah, I, I might as well, because my uh, thing I'd like to shout out is very similar to Zach's, so I'll just uh, use the springboard he set up for me here. So speaking of lo-fi hip-hop and stuff like that, um, I've been, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but multiple Christian uh, publications recently, like Relevant Magazine and the Gospel Coalition and Christianity Today, have all posted articles recently talking about this resurgence in Christian music. And uh, one of them, uh, I think it was the Gospel Coalition one, the title of the article was, oh, maybe it was the relevant one. But anyway, the title of the article was, wow, Christian music is actually good again. <laughs> and so it's just like a you know, kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. So I've been listening to a lot of these artists that are listed. Um, 
I'm not going to list them all for you, but one that has really been, uh, I've been spending a lot of time with recently is uh, Montel Fish. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him or listened to him before. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to that have heard of him actually have come into contact with him through his clothing brand, which is called Lord's Child. So um, you may have seen this if you run in Christian circles on social media. The ads pop up for me all the time. But um, he's got a pretty sweet clothing line called Lord's Child. They do like hats, hoodies, uh, is that, is sweatshorts. That who, is that who you're wearing right now, Rich? No, I'm wearing a New York State Boys <laughs> State shirt, unfortunately. Also a good organization. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. Montel but, Fish, what an incredible name for a rapper. Right, right, right. So before I, uh, well, look up Lord Child, fill your, uh, you know, wardrobe with that. But uh, besides that, um, I'm, let me just read his little bio on Spotify for you, because I feel like that's better than me patching it together. Um He self-describes himself as a 22-year-old singer, producer, and rapper from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He says, I create music to tell how Jesus has transformed my life. In prayers, you might grab faith that he can do the same in all yours. So pretty sweet. He's released a lot of stuff. Um, He's been out there for a while, so I'm almost like ashamed that I'm only discovering him now. He's not like a 116 guy. Like, I don't know what label he's on. No, he's not as much an... Montel, if you're listening, sorry if I'm misrepresenting you here, but I wouldn't call him as much of a rapper as he is like a lo-fi beat producer. Oh. Um, but he does rap to a certain when extent. When did this lo-fi term come into the uh, conversation? Because we've been throwing this around a lot. Am I am I missing something? Zach, what does lo-fi mean? I've thought about this, actually, about why lo-fi hip-hop has become so popular in yeah. the past like two or three years like you see those youtube videos where it's just like a 24 hour <laughs> like stream of right of lo-fi tracks with, with like, the, an like anime. anime person like writing on their computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh amazing gosh. i feel old i have no yeah. idea what you guys are talking uh, about <laughs> i don't know i mean it's like lo-fi hip-hop tends to be purely comprised of electronic sounds and samples and okay technology is so deeply embedded in in our life and in our society. And I think about how, I don't know. I just think about how anxious people are these days and how stressed we all are. And lo-fi hip hop tends to be a place that kind of like technology is a means of relaxing. Okay. And, okay. Uh, so very cool. Okay. This, this might be, I mean, if you're unfamiliar with the style, just picture like a very chill hip hop song with no lyrics. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, um, Bontel Fish is actually featured on Jonathan Ogden's Spring EP. That's why I thought I thought I would just springboard off your Jonathan Ogden radio pro over there. Yeah, it's all connected. It is, (laughs) but um, yeah, I definitely think uh, this this might be uh, you know I'm sure there's many uh, different reasons why it's popular. But one article that I read about why like kind of the surge of lo-fi occurred when it did, like starting in like 2017 ish, uh, just interesting was the fact that. so much like in hip hop, um, like so much of what's considered like technically great is lyricism. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, so right. we have these like rappers that are like in, absolutely incredible um, at writing and rapping. The mm-hmm. lyricism is great. And then there's kind of these producers that are creating these awesome like sonic scapes underneath these raps that are going like pretty unnoticed. So it's almost like, part of the genre was kind of like a break off of these really great producers <laughs> like, being like, I'm kind of going to do my own thing now. <laughs> yeah. Like, funny. um, 
like uh, that guy, like Gavi, Gavi. does for Lecrae and yeah. stuff like that. Like he has tons of albums of like just beats now. See, that's so funny because I am uh, such like a, a words guy in music. I I enjoy music, but I don't even appreciate like the beats and all the behind the scenes work that goes underneath and supports the lyrics. That uh, I I just like I don't even I'm I'm so unaware of that whole like the value in that you know what i mean yeah because i'm always like oh he can rap really fast i like him or his wordplay is really intricate so i, I like her like jackie hill perry's an yeah, amazing yeah. lyricist and that's that's such an interesting yeah, uh it's kind of nuts not to go too far tangentially but i'm sure sean o'hare's thought about this but to the uh uh i remember learning in my master's program that in, in english literature that up until like pretty much the mid 20th century like other than the occasional folk tune, like music didn't have lyrics, you know, for like the vast majority of musical history, you know, there was poetry and then there was music. Mm. You know, and it's really interesting now that like, it's almost makes no sense to our like post 1950s culture now where we're like, wait, there's music without words. Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like a funny thing. Yeah. But uh, back to um, Mr. Fish. <laughs> Hold on my face recognition how, isn't working. how much do you guys all want to bet that rich just scanned the gospel coalition article for a pittsburgh-based artist yeah absolutely <laughs> actually, we all know that rich did that actually 100%. i'm not gonna lie i found out i read his spotify bio on the way over here and i was like whoa pittsburgh while i was driving oh, yeah, yeah perfect um which is pretty sweet but um i just wanted to point out before i we move on from this um this guy's been around for a bit like his first album that's on spotify at least dropped in 2016 so it's almost like, and I've listened to all the different albums now, and uh, even though like there are stylistic differences, like he was in this kind of genre and in this like world since 2016, which is pretty sweet because like we've already talked about, like this kind of lo-fi thing, like I came in contact with it probably in like 2017, 2018. So like he's one of the OGs, it seems. But anyway, um, pretty sweet. Um, I particularly like, he has two albums that I would suggest looking at in particular. They're all good, but he has a 2017 album called Bedroom Gospel and a 2019 album called Bedroom Lo-Fi. And they kind of like work in tandem a little mm -hmm. bit. And um, super cool. Um, on the Lord's Child website where you can buy the clothes and stuff, he also releases like regular like beat tapes that are in digital form. So it's like he's obviously like always working um, – obviously just a really creative person like working in you know all different types of uh mediums using different types of um like i feel like i'm not doing justice like zach would but to different like musical styles like musical traditions things like that and i'd say like a decent but small percentage of the songs do have lyrics so similar to jonathan ogden's probably uh percentage of like what songs have lyrics and what don't but um it's also just really cool because I kind of love both these guys, Ogden and um, Montel Fish, for just for the idea that like their music is so relaxing. So it's really easy to just throw it on in the background or like when you're going on a long car drive or like you can even listen to it like going to sleep at night or things like that. And it's also great because not only is it relaxing and great musically, but they pepper little like spiritual truths in there too. So it's almost like while you're just like chilling out, you're also absorbing like gospel truth at the same time, which is just super sweet. And I fully intend to, uh, I play lo-fi music almost all the time in my classroom. I'm a teacher and I plan to like make a playlist of all these like sweet Christian lo-fi dudes and just play that in my room all the time now. So 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I've been doing. Sweet, man. And throw that up on the forefront Instagram. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Rich, Honestly. is this going to be why you guys are talking about the Crucible? Uh, probably not so much. <laughs> I, th- I think when we listen to, when we Beautiful do the crucible, yeah. yeah, when we do the crucible, we'll probably do, I don't know if you guys have seen these awesome, like middle ages renditions of like songs from famous, uh, from pop songs and movies. Nope. Oh, look that up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's right. like a trend right now that like famous songs from like movies and then also pop songs are being like redone in like Renaissance style. Oh, wow. And they're actually like really good. Oh, actually, I did. Yeah, I did yeah, catch something like that. There's yeah. some particularly epic Star Wars ones. So, oh, wow. just saying. Very cool. Rich yeah. is just Rich just lives at the cutting edge of cool. I mean, does he not? If you know Rich, very like, arguable. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a cool cat over there! Thanks for joining us. Uh, I just spend a lot of time on the internet. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's true too. Um, Nate, are you up next, my man? How you doing? I think so. What's I'm, going on? I'm doing well. Good. Things are good. Good. Uh, in, in case people on the podcast haven't heard, uh, I had a daughter this year. You sure did. So oh. that was amazing. Uh, we had her on March nineteenth. Her name is Lucy. Mm-hmm. And so, is there um, a Narnia reference there? There is. There is indeed. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, in, in the in the event that you were to hear anybody like crying in the background or something. Um, of course, it could be Sean because we didn't recognize the translation of his medieval literature. Um, <laughs> but more likely, it's Lucy. Uh, so, so forgive that. But, uh, but Lucy's wonderful. We love her very much, and uh, excited to to announce that. That's been a big theme of my life. <laughs> but in terms of the arts, uh, what I want to talk about is a little TV show called The Chosen. Oh yeah. yeah. Has anybody seen The Chosen? I have. Negative. No, Nate, what is the deal with this show? I've been seeing so many ads on Instagram, though. Okay, seriously, we're, we're an organization at the intersection of faith and art, and nobody's seen I the show. Hey, I have. <laughs> I okay. Have. One episode, but I'm... You watched an episode. Rich, how much have you seen? I've seen four episodes. Four episodes. All right. Zach? I have seen none of it. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Zach's, right. Zach's read right the Gospels, though. So. All right. Yes, you read, you read the source material. You it is good fam- to read the book before the TV show. You are familiar That's with good. Jesus Christ as a figure, right? <laughs> as a character. Okay. All right. So um, The Chosen is a TV show about the life of Jesus Christ. And it, uh, there's a little preview in 2017. So a lot, a lot of times it'll say that The Chosen came out in 2017. But really, it all released last year in 2019. And uh, that was the first season. They're planning many seasons. I think they've said it could be up to eight seasons um, or, or more uh, based on the life of Jesus. And it's directed by filmmaker Dallas Jenkins. Uh, he's actually the son of Jerry B. Jenkins, who co-wrote the Left Behind series. Oh, um, but uh, don't, Love it. don't don't rapture don't. movies. <laughs> I don't know if that uh, makes you more or less likely to want to see this TV show, but uh, I think Dallas actually has done a, an incredible job on this show. I think it's very well done. Um, it's a very uh, thoughtful and art- artistically done adaptation of the life of Christ. And um, I think, like, well, like one thing I think to mention right off the bat is it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of a hundred percent. Really? Which, if you're talking about, like, Christian art, like, oh, this is like a movie made by Christians about Jesus, you cannot imagine that having a Rotten Tomatoes score of 100%. Now, there aren't actually that many reviews, (laughs) so... You know, take it with a, a, a grain of salt. It's still, I think, an incredible achievement that you don't have like these these uh, movie critics coming on and being like, 
yeah, this actually isn't all that great, but they watch it and they're like, actually, this is actually really good. Um, so I think that's a, a huge deal. And I think that um, for me, there are some, some cool things that this show did that, that really raised it up a notch beyond most adaptations of the Bible. Um, one is that I, I feel like it avoided some typical pitfalls of secular adaptations of the Bible, um, which is to say, you know, all adaptations have to fill in the gaps, right? There's, there's kind of this, this Christian thinking that, oh, like the script is on the page. All you have to do is just bring the Bible to life as it is. That's not the case. If you're doing a TV show or a movie about the Bible, you have to fill in the gaps. But a lot of times when you do have filmmakers who don't love the Bible as source material, they fill in the gaps with things that as a Christian, you know, just like don't make any sense mm -hmm. or like are, don't thematically work with the rest of scripture or things that you're like, okay, that never would have happened or that doesn't reflect well on God or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this show absolutely fills in the gaps. This show absolutely takes a lot of creative license and fills in gaps and has tons of conversations and scenes and characters that are not in the Bible, but it does so in a way that wraps so well together with the things that we do know from scripture that you can watch it and you can say, yeah, like that's plausible. That makes sense. It very well could have happened that way. And you're not kind of derailed into mm -hmm. like, wait, may maybe Moses was hallucinating or like whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, <laughs> you know, so I think it lines up uh, very well with what we know from scripture and then adds its own creative license. I think it also avoided some typical pitfalls of Christian films and TV. Uh, one of those is it embraces mystery rather than kind of putting everything out there on the surface. So as, as we uh, have talked about in detail, a lot of Christian films kind of are very obvious in their themes or their implications or what they want you to learn um, or who people are. This series is actually, it actually maintains mystery where it'll introduce characters. They may be biblical characters, but you're watching it even as a Christian who's read the Bible and you're like, okay. This seems like it's somebody important. I, I honestly don't know who this person is. And you don't really find out and like put the pieces together until an episode or two later. Um, and I love that. I love that they kind of maintain some mystery. And I think that's good, good artistry. Um, I think they also did a, did a good job of just like managing the character of Jesus. Because let's be honest, like adapting the character of Jesus is... It's a tall it's task. A, it's a tall order, and it's <laughs> difficult for a number of reasons. One of them is, like, Jesus is perfect, and normally, like, when you have a main character, you, like, want them to be flawed because it creates drama. Mm -hmm. And when you have a character who's literally perfect, a lot of people would say, okay, that's not going to be dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, and also, Jesus is omnipotent, right? Like, it's like the Superman problem, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus can do anything. He's literally all powerful. So again, it's like, where is the drama? Where is the conflict? Where is the peril? Like any situation Jesus is walking into, you're like, he's going to be perfectly good, perfectly moral. And he has all the power in the universe. Mm -hmm. So he could literally just like walk through a wall and get out of this. How is there going to be drama? And I think they solved this in, in a number of creative ways. Um, but one of them is they, they really tell the story through the, through the eyes of the people who knew Jesus rather than trying to kind of tell it through Jesus's eyes. 
And so you feel what the disciples feel and what other people feel who, who were walking with Jesus. And you see all the conflict that they felt like the, the hurt to their reputation, right? When Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, you feel the disciples being like, wait, we, should we be doing this? Like, this isn't, this isn't good. Like we're going to look bad and like Jesus looks bad and it's like hurting our cause. And you feel that you're like, Oh shoot. Like this is bad for everybody's reputation, including Jesus. And even though you know, Jesus is doing the right thing, you're still kind of like, Oh, this could be bad Mm -hmm. Um, because you're seeing it to the eyes of like Peter and James. So I thought that was really interesting. And then um, finally, like they just chose, I think the right characters to focus on. Uh, They chose characters like Peter, of course, that's an obvious one, but characters like Nicodemus, Mm -hmm. like uh, Mary Magdalene, like uh, Matthew and, and, and they, they chose characters that like represent different types of people. So like Nicodemus kind of represents uh, someone from the Pharisees who is actually intrigued by Jesus. And so by making him into a main character, you kind of have that representative of somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then similarly, people who are um, maybe less well-off in society or less well-respected like Peter uh, as a fisherman. So you, you kind of get to know all these different types of people and how they relate to Jesus. And um, so I thought it was just a, a very effective series. And um, it's one of the, the biggest uh, crowdfunded series of all time. And uh, they're, they're currently funding for, for season two, and they hope to keep going. So, yeah, I would encourage you all to watch it. There's a free app. It's called The Chosen. Uh, <laughs> you can download the app and literally watch it for free. Um, so I'd love for you to, to dig into it and let me know what you think. Incredible. Yeah, you, you were recommending it to me a couple of weeks ago, and you're like, it it really just like makes you love Jesus more when you watch it, yeah. and I was like, "Hey, that's a pretty good thing." So, that is an amazing result. Yeah, so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep watching that. Uh, great, what, what that's, insightful thoughts I, there. Can I jump in there real quick, Cody? Yeah, man, that's encouraging to hear. I mean, that's like the second thing in this conversation that we're having right now, mm-hmm. where people are starting to uh, like talk about the fact that it's good art happening, right? So, Rich mentioned. Christian music and you're talking about television, which is obviously a big cultural thing, right? Game of Thrones is like this huge cultural moment, right? That the final season of it. So like what people do in television and, and and now like Netflix kinds of shows actually matters a lot. So to hear, Hey, Christians are like making good art in these areas is, is really encouraging. And that's two, two great examples in one conversation. So yeah, it's huge. Just kind of encouraging thing for the work that we're doing. Absolutely. You know what else is pretty sweet too, just to add on to that, Sean, um, is the fact that both in the music and TV world that we're talking about, uh, I've noticed a pretty awesome um, and pretty rare in history uh, collaboration between like di- many different types of Christians to reach a similar goal. Where, like, for example, in The Chosen, like, many of the actors and people that are working on The Chosen come from, like, very different Christian backgrounds. Like, Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, is, like, a outspoken Roman Catholic. And then, like, some of the other, you know, like, the producers and directors are from an evangelical background and things like that. And I think that's really sweet. And then also in a lot of these um, Christian musical artists that are being kind of highlighted right now, um, I've seen a pretty diverse... um, pretty diverse backgrounds, like from 
things from, you know, like kind of like Pentecostal charismatic to like Church of England Anglican in the UK, you know, like very different mm. backgrounds. And I think that's pretty sweet because I think in the majority of uh, like when I was young in like the early 2000s or whatever, I think that like the only Christian media I ever consumed came like strictly from an evangelical place. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sure. cool that we we have that diversity kind of coming into things now. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Um, I'm gonna, I'll wrap this episode up by sharing just briefly about a novel I finished a while ago. I shared a few months ago about a, a novel called Peace Like a River mm-hmm. by, I always feel like I'm not saying this name right. Leaf Anger is how I say it. Abby, what's your... I can't help you. You feel okay about Leaf? <laughs> I love him. Are you going to throw something at me if I say Leaf Anger? Uh I you believe Leaf Anger is correct. Leaf I think Anger. it's right, so okay. I'd just well, go with it. All right. Apologies. Just, good. Leaf, if you're listening, and I know that you are, um, sorry if, you know, give me a call, man. Give me, I, I left the 17 voicemails, so uh, give me a call back. Let me know how to say your name. For real, I'd love to have Leaf on the, on the show. So, uh, sure. Leaf, we're coming for you. But uh, anyway, Peace Like a River, my favorite novel of all time. Abby, yours too? Is this right? That. Yeah, it's a top 10 for sure. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. Um, for all the reasons that I shared on a previous episode, but, uh, so naturally I wanted to check out his most recent book. It's called Virgil Wander and I won't spoil anything at all, but Virgil Wander is the, the name of the, uh, protagonist and the premise is pretty simple. It's, uh, this guy who lives in this small town in Minnesota, uh, gets in a car accident and kind of has some, some degree of brain damage, which results in, temporary loss of language and he kind of can't forget he can't remember words and uh he has some memory loss and so we're just kind of we pick up with this character um and follow him around as he just goes about his days in this small town and he runs this failing movie theater which to me is just such an awesome like rich text of a setting to explore um i'm i'm from a small town and used to go to this movie theater that is you know always always kind of financially struggling um, but it was beloved by the town, and uh, there's all this. These cast of characters are so um, expected, you know, the the kinds of people you'd find in a small town. But they're also incredibly complex and and well drawn and multi dimensional. And you could tell that uh, the author cares a ton about each of these characters because he really um, just just thinks about them deeply. And uh, they're not plot devices; they're real people on the page. And I think it's incredibly hard to do. But he does it with imagery that is just like poetry. Like you can take, you could take any number of paragraphs out of this book and just pull it out, and it's a perfectly good prose poem just on its own by itself. That's how, that's how like strong of a command he has of the music of language. And um, I just, yeah, I think it's just rare to find that. And so I, I sincerely enjoyed this book. Um, it's hard to review an entire novel in five minutes, but. Uh, that that's a few a few reasons why you should consider grabbing it. And uh, Abby, you said you're you've already started this, or you're about to. I'm about a page and a half in, okay. and then I went. This is too important for me to just read arbitrarily. Yes. And so th- now there's all this pretense behind it because it's the next Leaf Anger book, it and is. I can't waste it. So yeah. I have to wait for the right temperature, the right couch, the right yes, yes, <laughs> mood, yes. everything. Well, yeah, that's how. Yeah, I cared. I was it was a spiritual experience reading this book and I bring it up here because uh by all accounts Leaf is a Christian and just has this 
excellent way of weaving Christian themes into his stories without without it feeling trite or on the nose or anything like that. So, um, yeah, uh, loved this book, and um, you should you should definitely read it. Oh my goodness, that was fun, friends! Thank you for joining us here at Forefront Three Hundred and Sixty. This is a blast for us to do. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do. Leave us that five star rating uh, on your. It's not. It's not too hard. Just poke around on the uh, podcast app wherever you're streaming this and uh, click the five star there. Write a little review about how funny and charismatic and intelligent the host is, or whatever yeah. you feel led to do. Whatever this, however the spirit leads you in that. As long as sure. he's leading you to a five star review, just fo- just submit to the Lord in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd be so thankful. Um, helps people learn about the show, and uh, yeah. That's yeah, that's our bit today. Um, until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art.